We are thankful to our God for this hour, for this moment, right? This moment in time that we will, we will never have again. This day will be posted in the record books as history. Allow today to be that moment in time when you can say, I truly worship God with all my heart. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Our great and magnificent, most awesome and holy God in heaven, hallowed be your amazing name. We do give unto you all the praise, the honor, and the glory for all the goodness that is upon this earth. For we know that all good things come from you. Help us to be thankful, to be kind, to be gentle, to be generous, to be the people that you would have us to be in word and deed. Please bless us this morning as we worship you, that our worship will hold you in high esteem, that our minds will be rid of worldly thoughts, and that Satan will be removed from our midst. And Lord God, we thank you for Jesus that amazing sacrifice that was made in our behalf that we might live. These things we ask and pray and thank you for in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy, and blessed name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be thy will. Amen. Welcome to each of you here this morning, those who are here physically and those who are here online. We thank you for your Attendance. Selfishness, or excuse me, self-control in Felix. Felix being an example of a, of a very selfish individual in history. A man that, uh, who has, who had lived his life. A man that represents the opposite of, of Christ. We find that Felix, this man, was a man who loved worldliness. We can learn a lot from Felix in regards of what not to do. History tells us that Felix is married to Drusilla. It's a rather interesting story. Um, she was a Jewess. And between the ages of 14 and 16, prior to the marriage of Felix, Drusilla was being, by the way, she's the daughter of Herod. The Herod in Acts 12, who was eaten by worms. So, Drusilla was engaged or married to the king of Syria. But that relationship uh, ended. She was uh, coerced or, or encouraged, persuaded to marry Felix. She became, as I mentioned last week, wife number three. Righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come was the message it was right on the money. It was the message that Felix needed to hear. The message was aimed at Felix's heart. The message was designed to help Felix to turn his life around. Remember, the Bible tells us that Felix was very well versed in Judaism 
as well as Christianity. And in Acts chapter 24, I want to go back and revisit part of the message, if you will, or the thought. Acts 24 in verse 24. But some days later, Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was a Jewess, and sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. I find it interesting that people love to talk about faith in Christ Jesus, but they don't ever talk about righteousness, faithfulness, self-control, the judgment to come, the hard stuff. It's always touchy feeling, isn't it? When you only think about faith. Verse 25 says, And he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Felix became frightened and said, Go away for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. First John, please, chapter 2. I quite frankly just don't want to hear your message right now. Because I know that I'm going to stand before God one day. Alone. And when I stand before God, He's going to judge me. Do we know that? 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world, Felix, church. Nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Listen to the comparative idea in the scripture. You can't love both. Jesus said that too, didn't he? You can't love God and mammon. Verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world, the text says, is passing away. And also it's lust. But the one who, who does the will of God abides forever. Righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. You know, it's a very important topic for us in America. You know, we would say the world is out of control. Would we also say that America is out of control? Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. Because the world has gone mad. Church is struggling too. Because we're not always willing to say, America is out of control. But it is. And it's sad. And it's kind of sickening too. Think about this for just a moment. You know, growing up, we, you know, you'd hear, maybe you, you heard your parents say this, you can be whatever you want to be. Just, you know, go to school, work hard. And, you know, they meant, you know, by way of uh, your, your education, uh, your occupation. You know, they were trying to be encouraging. I, I don't know that we should say that to our children today without clarifying what we mean. Because let me tell you how it works today. Today... This has been raised to a, a new level. You, you can be, think about this, pansexual, gender fluid, bigender, bisexual, they, them, genderless, homosexual, lesbian, and I always have to read this one, 
LGBTQQIP2SAA. UVWXYZ. I mean, we're just mixed up. Turn to Matthew 19. We, the world has gone mad. The church has gone mad. We're struggling. You know what's happened? What, what's happened is, in our world today, it's all about feelings. Not righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. It's about feelings. How do we get this way? Think about that for just a moment. I know someone who is not mixed up. His name's God. And let me tell you what he says. Matthew 19, verse 3. And some Pharisees came to him, testing him, and saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause at all? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them pansexual? Gender? No, he made them male and female. See, here's the reality. Though science says, now when I say science, I'm not talking about science. I'm talking about the world's version of science. They say there are 63 accepted genders. I I don't know, church, would you say the world's kind of mixed up? A mess America. There are only two genders, male and female, X and Y chromosomes. That's it. Let's call it what it is. There are over 63 identified and accepted feelings because that's what it actually is. You see, maybe this kind of goes back to, you know, uh, my children growing up um, when when they, they would participate in a sporting event, um, you know, everyone got a participation award. There were no winners and there were no losers, Right? I mean, I was like, well, what is, what is that? Well, why are we participating? I mean, what, aren't you supposed to try to win? I mean, because winning, what that does, that the drive behind winning, the drive behind that makes you work hard. You train hard. You practice. You, you sweat and you, you exert yourself. You try to become the best. You try to do what's right. You follow the rules. You follow the laws. You, you, you participate. You learn the rules. And you can't bring the rules of baseball into the rules of wrestling. You, you can't say, I don't want to follow these rules. I want to, I want to follow these rules. It's never about feelings. It's about what's right and what's wrong. We've lost that sense of desire to earn it, train it, train for it, to win. So think about this for just a moment. First Corinthians chapter 9, please. To lose makes you work harder, doesn't it? Think about that. Have you ever lost? I mean, I know some of the younger folks say, no, we are, there are, there's no, there's no losing. When you lose, you work harder so that next time you win. That drive, that inward motivation kicks in. But if it's all about feelings, 
Everybody just goes along to get along. Church, that's not right. I'm not sure that if Paul were preaching today, and if he were a preacher of feelings, he would have brought this kind of lesson to Felix. He would have said, Felix, you're doing all right. You you come from the bottom to the top, and for that reason, we're going to make you an elder. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the way it is, right? 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24. This is not to be offensive. I'm just, let's think about what's happening. The world's out of control. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives a prize? No, no, Paul, no, we all get a prize. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible's telling us the truth. Only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. In other words, follow the rules. You can't leave the arena and then come back in at some other point and jump back into the race and say, now I've won. Because I took a shortcut. No, you have to follow the rules. Everything has rules. Your car has rules. Right? These, these new cars, if you don't have that key fob, you're not getting in. It used to be just a key. The rules are changed, but they are still rules. Right? Driving your car, your automobile on the road, you have to follow rules. The instrument panel on the airplane, you have to follow the rules. You can't just make up your own rules based on the way you feel. But our world today says, no, it's all about how you feel. Verse 25. And everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. Do you see that? Everyone who competes exercises. you got to follow the rules. And you got to have self-control. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable. Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. And then Paul says, here's something I do. Because you know, we, we get it, right? We, we all have feelings about something. But in order to maintain or gain that self-control... You know, we gotta fight against the urges that violate the rules. So verse 27, he says, I buffet my body and make it my slave. Lest possibly after I've preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul says, I don't want to miss heaven. I'm going to follow the rules. Self-control. Then the other message is, Everybody goes to heaven, right? Because it's all about subjective living. Now you do whatever you feel or, or, or live the way you feel or think about the way you've just lived. Do what you want to do. Do whatever your heart tells you to do. That, that's in Satan's Bible. You do know that. I'm not encouraging you to read it, but trust me, it's in there. Do whatever your heart tells you to do. Whatever your heart, don't follow your heart. Follow the rules. Listen to Isaiah chapter 5, please. The church is filled with hatred. I mean, you know, I'm leaving the world and coming to the church. Filled with hate. This world is mixed up. The church is filled with hatred and it's acceptable now. It's becoming more normalized. God says love humanity. 
But who cares? If it doesn't get me something or get me what I want, who cares? God says, don't, don't hate your fellow man. You can't be racist and go to heaven. I had a Christian tell me one day they hate Jews. I said, did you not know that Jesus was a Jew? You might have some trouble at the gate. Right? I mean, that's a kind of a no-brainer there. Right? Even the children got that one. Right? I might as well sit down right now. Yeah, there's some trouble. Isaiah chapter 5, please. It talks about how mixed up. Israel became, Israel became, this isn't new, right? So Satan, this is what Satan does. Satan changes the picture, right? He gives you a new face and a new package, but it's the same sin, right? The lust of the eyes, uh, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. They were mixed up too. Isaiah 5 verse 20, what are those who call evil good and good evil? You know what's bad is our adults doing this. Why our children are messed up. You can't call good evil and evil good, brethren. Who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. What I'm preaching now is hate speech. <laughs> right? Well, let it be said. Who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own heart. You, you know... The vision used to be in the church, you know, it used to be, you know, like the Bible says, you know, you're, you're either a Christian or you're a non-Christian. And then, it, and then it came to where you're, you're a conservative Christian or a liberal Christian. And, and now, you know what it seems like now? You're either a Democrat or a Republican. You do know that's not in the Bible, right? <laughs> I just thought it out there. <laughs> it's a free one. Don't let the world Brethren, I've told you this before. I'm going to say it again. Do not let the world lead you. We lead. We do not follow. And until we get that part in our heads right and straight, we too will have to hear the message that Felix heard. There has to be righteousness, self-control, and we have to remember the judgment to come in all things. Please turn to Acts chapter 20. Paul's message was about faith. And when you talk about faith, you're talking about the divine order of of God. And when we preach faith, we have to include the difficult stuff. You cannot preach about God, about Jesus, and not preach on the difficult stuff. And this is some of the difficult things. Selfishness, righteousness, the judgment to come, ungodliness, and wickedness. Because of worldliness, many preachers today are tempted to water the gospel down. Tickle the ears, right? You know what I say to those preachers, just go do something else, right? Just go do something else. It's hard to be a preacher preaching righteousness because today the world has turned things upside down by saying that good is evil and evil is good. But it's not new. Remember the church in the first century? We read about that in our Bible study this morning. They were killing the Christians in the first century who said, you got to live by righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Who said you have to live faithfully and be faithful to Jesus? Who said there's only one way? 
those children of God were persecuted and executed for the cause of Christ. You know the Bible. The Bible is not filled with a book of a bunch of fuzzy stories that have these amazing endings to them that are so heartwarming. The Bible tells the truth. And the truth is, our world is messed up. That's the truth. In the end, we win as God's people. But think about the struggle it is of trying to do the right thing. Acts 20. Paul, in his sermon, beginning at verse 24, uh, makes things clear. He says, But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, in order that I may finish the, my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to solemnly, to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Well, why was he innocent? What made him innocent? The next verse says, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose or counsel of God. The Holy Spirit. John, please, chapter 16. The Holy Spirit has a message for us. And if you listen to what the Holy Spirit says, as the Holy Spirit speaks... That message is not this fuzzy, heartwarming sermon. Listen to the sermon of the Holy Spirit. Verse 7. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, that's the Holy Spirit, shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he... Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment and concerning sin because they do not believe in me and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer behold me and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. The Holy Spirit has something to say. Second Timothy chapter 3, please. The message of the Holy Spirit aims at the conscience mind. God is talking to us. And the question this morning is, are we listening? Or are we like Felix in saying, I can't wait to get out of here. And when I find a more convenient time, I'll summon you. This is about soul. Verse 1, 2 Timothy chapter 3. But realize this, that the last days will, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self. Lovers of money. Boastful. Arrogant. Revilers. Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, 
unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied his power and avoid such men as these. How many of you would show up to a Bible study if I said, we're going to talk about 2 Timothy chapter 3? The message is is clear. Here's what I find interesting. Turn to John chapter 1, please. What I find interesting is that in every other genre or walk of life, that we believe in, that we participate in, that we enjoy. We, we, we expect, we have these ex- expectations of greatness. You know, if you go to the movie theater and, and the movie isn't what you hoped it would be, people are upset and offended. I, I wasted my money. If you go to a ball game and the game isn't what you hoped it would be, and in other words, in every other genre of life, we expect we expect greatness. But in the church, we expect mediocrity. In the church, we, we don't want to hear sermons about life. We don't want to hear this kind of stuff. Just tickle the ears, preacher. That's your job. Wrong preacher. Right? Wrong job. We have to allow the light of Jesus to shine so the world can see and understand how mixed up we are. But the world had a hard time even when Jesus was on the earth. In verse 4 of John chapter 1, the Bible says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That's the world. Jesus came to the world, and the world did not understand. They didn't comprehend. Verse 9 There was the true light, which is coming into the world, enters, excuse me, enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Church, this is important. This is important. The, The Bible and the ministry and Christianity, we're not out to offend anyone. We're out to save souls. We're out to save souls. And I don't make the rules on how to save a soul. God does. Because God's in the saving business. And the message that everybody wants to hear is, God loves you, so don't worry about it. Stay the way you are. Don't make any changes. That is not in the Bible. Not in that way. Yes, God loves us, but God has expectations for us to change. Well, think about that idea and their philosophy, that, well, you know, I don't really know, I don't understand, therefore, I'm going to get away with it. That's why they crucified Jesus. Look at First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages of our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It's still about what's right. Things have turned 
upside down. Are you still with me this morning? Romans chapter 8. They're turned upside down and, and, and things are mixed up and, and people are mixed up. And it's our responsibility through love to help them to see, right? To pull them from the clutches of Satan, to pull them from the world. Because the world doesn't care. Not about our souls. Romans 8 verse 5. The Bible is pretty clear. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the, to, to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You see, this whole idea about running by my feelings, that's not the way we're supposed to live our lives. We have to submit to the Lord. We have to be in subjection to our God. We are commanded, turn to Titus please, we are commanded or instructed, Titus chapter 2, to live God-controlled lives. And that means you can't always have what you want. Right? And we cannot always do what we want to do. Titus 2 verse 11, the Bible says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desire, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. And then God tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1, in regards to our walk of faith, beginning at verse 5, in in regards to our walk of faith, self-control is part of that walk. The perfect seven. The perfect seven. 2 Peter 1 verse 5, Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. That's what God commands of His children. Because then He says, for he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted. Think about that. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or self-control. Part of the message of Paul to Felix. Is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his former purification of his sin. You forgot you were baptized in the Christ. Galatians 2. The fruit of the Spirit. How do we live our lives? Self-control. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You know what the Bible says about people who say, I'm just following my feelings. Turn to Proverbs, please, 25. 28, rather. Proverbs 28. I'm following my feelings because the world tells me to. The Bible says 
In Proverbs 28 and verse 26, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Wait, God said that? He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. But he who walks wisely will be delivered. Wisdom says, surrender to Christ Jesus. In Romans 12, it tells us that there's this certain attitude we have to have in our Christian walk of faith. And he tells us that there's this transformation that has to happen in our walk of faith. And in verse 2, he says, and be not conformed to the world. See, the world's going to mess us up, church. Be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you say, well, well, preacher, I was mixed up, and I, I'm, you know, and I, I thought this, and I felt this way, and, and blah, blah, blah. And God says, okay. Well, we say that, church. Okay, that's where you are. But look, let's talk about Jesus, and let's walk out of that, and let's come to God, and let's transform our mind. Let's bring our minds to be in the proper conformity, if you will, in relationship with Christ. That you may prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Turn your life back to Jesus. That's what God wants us. And and you know, in 1 Corinthians, the Bible tells us that there's always a way out, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 10. There's always a way out. God loves us so much. To where, okay, we get off the beaten track, we get off of what's right, and we get, we get, we become misled, but God says, I love you so much, that I'm always gonna give you a way out. Self-control is a gift, isn't it? It's a gift from God to His people. So we pray to the Lord, Lord, help me to have self-control. And let God show you. Let God teach you. There's always a way out. You know what gets in the way of the way out? Pride. Pride gets in the way of the way out. Well, it says it right here. See, before you read the way out, you got to read the verses before, <laughs> precede it. First Corinthians 10, beginning of verse 12, the Bible says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he falls. Pride precedes the way out. You have to humble yourself. Surrender to Jesus, and then he'll find or show you the way out. When you continue reading in verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. God will always give you a way out. Okay, let's close this with hope. Second Corinthians, please, chapter 5. Let's close this with hope. Lust, anger, pride, greed, hatred. There's always a way out. There's always a way out. God always gives us a way out. And this morning, maybe some of you are online, maybe some of you who are here are looking for that way out. There's always a way out. If you will surrender to Christ... If you will surrender to Christ, He'll give you the way out. He'll rescue you. In the moment, He'll rescue you. In the hour, He'll rescue you if you allow Him to give you the way out. The Bible says in verse 14 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded that, this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. You know what God's saying? This is what God's saying. Instead of you having and desiring everything that you want in life, and everything that you feel in life, and all the things you're chasing after and pursuing in life, Pursue the one who died for you. Pursue the one that died for you. In anguish, in pain, suffering, on a cross, bleeding to death, drowning in his own blood for you. Consider him. The one who suffered on this earth, inhumanely treated with your name on his heart, Because he wanted you to be saved. Consider Jesus before you consider self. That's what God is asking his children to do. It is the love of God that constrains us. It is the love of God that causes us to surrender. So in the end, the way out is we step away from self. And we reflect on our love for God. This morning, if something was said to just stimulate your mind to action, to remind you of this love that you you have for God, and you're looking for a way out, God's already provided it. You just have to surrender. If you are uh, trusting in God and have a desire to uh, be saved, and you're not a child of God, we encourage you to surrender to Him in the waters of baptism. Come to Him by faith, hearing His Word and believing it. Having repentance, godly sorrow in your heart. Making the good confession that Jesus Christ, Lord, the Son, the living God, be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of sins. That hasn't changed. Same message. If you are struggling in your faith, and we can pray with you or pray for you. If there is anything that we can do in your behalf, make it known to us while we stand and sing in just a moment. A song of invitation. God bless you and thank you for your time.